this is Duncan Brannan, author of The Soldier Code and former voice of Chuck E. Cheese and Barney the Dinosaur. And you are listening to my main man, Flynn Hendricks, on the I Know You Hear Me podcast. Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code flynn that's f-l-y-n-n she's even going to get you 10 percent off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and i know you hear me all right everybody welcome back to another exciting episode and another exciting week here on the i know you hear me podcast with me flynn Hendricks. and man oh man has it been a busy week the fair tours have wrapped up as we're recording this. Not the ends that I was hoping for, or not the results I was hoping for personally or professionally, but that's neither here nor there. I survived. We're back to the real world. Got another show coming up this week. Got SummerSlam coming up the week after, which, as you hear this, that's long in the rearview mirror. And then we've got trips coming up. We've got going to be going all over the place, and it's going to be busy, busy, busy. But man, I would not have it any other way. But as always, I could always use a little bit more sleep. That would just be the chef's kiss. But hey, we'll cross that bridge eventually. We're going to keep pushing it and pushing it and riding it till the wheels fall off. And we're going to keep having some fun here. But man, oh man, guys, if this is your first episode, believe you me, you picked a stellar one to start with. Because my guest on the other side here is somebody that is not only a legend... In the voiceover world, he's a legend in the acting world. He's a legend in giving back to the up-and-coming voiceover community. I mean, he just gives back. He knows no bounds as far as his generosity goes. And he's been in probably every major franchise you can think of. He's been in a lot of movie franchises that we've all seen or our kids may love. So this guy is going to give us an episode where maybe you may learn something and... You may have a better respect for what he brings to the table with the characters he's voiced as a part of your childhood as well. So I'm excited to bring you that. But man, before we go any further though, I do have to encourage you if it is your first episode or if you know, you've been a long time listener and just haven't hit that subscribe button, go hit it on your preferred podcasting platform. You know that we're there. You know that I'm bringing this to you every Friday like clockwork. Haven't missed an episode yet, won't miss an episode, and we're going to keep that trend going. So hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out as well. And then leave a five-star or a written review if you think I've earned it because it helps out so much. There's over a year's worth of quality content material in the archives there, guys. Go listen, go have some fun, and share it with your loved ones, share it with your friends, and just share it with the world because there's something for everybody there. And on top of that, too, we're on all social media platforms. Go get connected with me and the podcast page. Check the show notes for all the information on that. And on top of that, I also have merch available. So if you want 8x10s, if you want a shirt, if you want a shout-out, all the information for that is in the show notes. And here's what you do for that shout-out, too. If you get a a shirt, if you get a picture, if you get a shout-out, you know, like a voicemail shout-out, whatever it may be, Tag me on social media, and I will not only shout you out there, I will shout you out on the podcast so our worldwide audience will know that you are one of the cool kids and they will know who you are. And on top of that, too, 
a percentage of every sale made is going to go to help either the Nashville Humane Society or the Peter Mayhew Foundation. I'll leave it up to you if you want to decide which one it goes to, or you can let me decide. But on top of that, you not only help the Ver Babies, you not only help a good cause, you help keep this show going, and everybody benefits. So that sounds like a good cause to me. But now, we've got a legend here today, and... Let me just give you a brief rundown of some of the credentials this guy has, because if I were to list them all, we would be here all day and we wouldn't even get to the interview. But you may have heard this guy as the voice of Luke Skywalker in many Star Wars video games or even on Robot Chicken. You've also heard him as the voice of Lama Sue in The Bad Batch and The Clone Wars. He's been in the Minions and the Gru and the Despicable Me franchise. He's been in just about everything, but most notably, this guy is the voice of Porky Pig. He is the voice of Tweety Bird. He is a guy that is a wealth of knowledge and one of the fundamental actors of my childhood. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to have on the show here today, Mr. Bob Bergen. Bob, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I can't live up to that. So that was very sweet. Thank you very much. <laughs> of course. I mean, like I said, I didn't even scratch the surface, but those are the ones that hit near and dear to me. So I had to be a little selfish in that regard. But man, oh man, like I said, legend doesn't even like do it justice because you have been involved in so many different franchises and you have just been doing it nonstop and just giving back along the way. So I guess really what I want to know starting out is, where did you learn this drive and this passion? Where was that instilled in you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I had a passion for it when I was a child, mm-hmm. but I was a fan of cartoons. Right. So, you know, it's I, I, I liken it to some kid who would go to a baseball game and just be enamored in collecting baseball cards and be in Little League and practice morning, noon, and night, because that was their drive. That was their passion. Absolutely. For me, it was cartoons. I didn't know at that time that there would be a career or that there even was a career. But um, I just was a huge fan of cartoons and classic cartoons. I also liked what was contemporary at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Scooby-Doo's and the the, uh, the Funky Phantoms and the Underdogs. And oh, yeah. And but I was a very big fan of the classic Looney Tunes and the the, the, the Fleischer Popeye cartoons. Um, I was never a huge Disney uh, mm-hmm. shorts fan. I found them a little bit too saccharine for my. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I appreciate the artistry and I appreciate you know the um, the legacy, but I didn't. They didn't tickle my funny bone, right? The way the, way the Looney Tunes did. So, um, and then I started imitating cartoons and I started. You know, I, I got a little tape recorder and, uh, you know, long story short, when we moved to L.A., I pursued it as a career because at that time I realized this is something you can do. Absolutely. And a couple couple questions that just jump out from what you said, because um, especially like in the, the wrestling side of things, which is where a lot of my, you know, live performance inside, like all that came from, a lot of people will go through the phase of being so gung-ho in it growing up then they'll break away from it for a little bit and then come back to it. Did that ever happen where like you maybe hit a, uh, I don't want to say a burnout phase, but you just kind of drifted away and then came back or was the love there consistently the entire time? Yeah. I never drifted away because uh, I, I never went to college. I didn't have anything to fall back on. Gotcha. Um, and, but you know, like all actors, all actors have ups and downs and, and those downs can be anything from, uh, well, Hey, cartoons are on strike commercials are on strike uh your show got canceled mm-hmm. uh 
they didn't uh, pick up your option for this contract and whatever job. So that's the, the ebbs and flows of just being a professional actor. Absolutely. But I always live below my means and I always, um, you know, I, it's so funny. I had an agent once when I would book something big, I would say to her, what's next? And she'd laugh and she'd say, why is it that you actors, every time you get something big, are looking for something else? Aren't you happy? I said, no, because today's big is going to end. That's true. And I'd like to have, that's the backup or the fallback, I should say, that I would do is I would try to fall back on what's what's down the horizon Absolutely. and never rest on my laurels. But see, that's that's not a showbiz thing. That's a that's a work ethic. That's a perfectionist. For sure. I don't care what if you're in medicine, I don't care if you're a teacher, I don't care if you're a CPA. But that that's something that you're, you either got in your in your uh, DNA or you don't. So I think that's one of the secrets of success, no matter what somebody does in life. I I understand that and I respect that view 100% because I've even expressed it here on this show. I'm guilty. I don't, guilty may not be the right word, but always looking for what's next because if you rest on those laurels, like you said, something may slip through the cracks and then you're you're SOL down the road when something else comes up. So I I respect that view and I respect that mentality. But at the same time, too, did it also make it like ever a struggle to like stop and appreciate what you had done at that moment? Because I, I've been guilty of that myself. So I'm always curious what other people's insights and perspectives are when they have that same kind of perfectionist mentality. No, I get the same giddy butterflies, excitement today with just it. an audition my home studio as I did the very first time I ever drove on the lot at Disney to do an animated feature that that um, that passion has never uh, waned um, and it, by the way the moment it, it did I had to find something else in life that gave me the same satisfaction mm-hmm. so I'm not I mean, don't get me wrong there are some jobs like if I did if I was hired to do a TV spot for preparation each it's not going to be as exciting as doing a new cartoon for DreamWorks. Oh, for sure. For sure. On the other hand, I'm not, you know, working the drive through at a fast food restaurant saying, would you like fries with that either? I got to be, you know, grateful. Absolutely. Something that goes a long way, no matter what one does. I would say that, um, you know, in, in, in the times where things have gotten a little bit, uh, not as fulfilling or things happen that are disappointing. Um, I've never lost the uh, thrill and the gratitude that I have to do what I do. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's something, too, that's easy to lose, especially if things get hard. You get lost in the muck, and it's easy to just surround yourself with a negative comfort pillow and just let it be from that. So it's so awesome to hear that you've made, you've been able to maintain that, we'll call it attitude of gratitude, to keep the story going and keep your passions driven as well. And especially going back to to the time when you were growing up and it's even been a topic of discussion with previous guests on this show where you're pursuing these acting endeavors and it's not you know the normal thing to do for like especially our parents growing up where they would work a nine to five or they may work a factory job that was the safe thing to do to provide for the family when you're breaking out in these endeavors that are not the norm for most people how do you keep yourself just positive and driven. This is what I'm made to do. This is what I'm going to do. And just ignore all the, well, maybe coming from a place of caring, you may want to have a backup plan. How do you, how did you counteract that? I never went into this to make a dime. I went into this because being in front of the mic feeds my soul the way food feeds my body. I love it. And if I, 
I happened to get lucky enough to make a dime at this. That was icing on the cake. Um, you know, I spent, I got my first agent right out of high school. And then I had five years of various survival jobs, five days a week, mm -hmm. seven nights a week, a variety of things. And I lived off the survival jobs. And when I would occasionally book a voiceover job, I popped that in the bank. And I never touched that money. Same thing that Jay Leno did with The Tonight Show. He yeah. never touched a dime of his Tonight Show money. He, he, he lived off of his stand-up comedy. And he would go on the road uh, on weekends and, and, you know, live off of that, live very well off of that. Yes, for sure. He, to, he was able to demand a, a certain amount based on the success of The Tonight Show. So my last survival job, I ended up being fired from because I had too many sick days because I was a working actor. And I had two years of, of savings in the bank from acting. Wow. So I thought, okay, well, that tells me I've got two years of living expenses, which was rent, insurance, food, gas, etc. Let's see what happens in two years. Absolutely. And the best thing that happened to me was being fired from the survival job because it made me focus 100% on my voiceover career. And these are the days before home studios. So I had to drive to the auditions. I had to drive to the sessions. I didn't have the luxury of waking up, going into my office and auditioning in the morning before my work day. Uh, so juggling, people who say it's really hard today have no idea how hard it was, how That's hard, true. how easy they've got it today. But you know, we're just gonna, I'm shifting to a different topic oh, right that's now. Fine, that's fine, that's fine. To me, this is the damage that is social media because social media is nothing but a bitch fest. It's nothing but uh, the world's biggest um, group therapy session where everybody is looking for validation on victimhood. Absolutely. Rather than, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be the best. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to work hard. And I don't have time for this negativity. But people are looking for easy rather than earning. And mm -hmm. I think that is one of the reasons why I was fortunate to have the career I've got and fortunate to keep working because I've earned it. I, For sure. I, I, and, I, and I continue to work hard. People will often ask me, you know, what do you, what do you see in the future? I don't know because I haven't auditioned for it yet. What I see in the future is to keep doing what I'm doing and have fun in the process. But I still work as I work harder today to stay where I'm at than I did again. Here. That's the truth of it. You know, they say it's, it's harder to stay at the mountaintop than it is to get up there. And, I mean, especially, like you said, with today's day and age, too, it's social media is that double-edged sword where it's great to promote, you know, what you're doing, but at the same time, too, it also opens that door up to scrutiny, negativity, and basically keeping up with the Jones syndrome because somebody that you're not even in competition with, you put yourself in competition with and you self-sabotage yourself. And not only that, with everybody or a lot of people having home studios now too, the plane is wide open for so many more people that may not have had, you know, those opportunities in the past. But a lot of that too, that you said makes me want to question here, especially, you know, like with, you know, setting money aside and having that drive. And then, you know, knowing that being fired from that day job was the best thing that happened for your acting career and for your life. Did you have a mentor, you know, like outside of an agent that was like, helping you along the way and giving you these little bits of wisdom to keep you on the right track? Was that all self-learned? How was that for you? Tons. I mean, I was fortunate. Uh, I studied voiceover from age 14 to 18. Um, and during that time, I was asked to be a part of an all-day Saturday voiceover workout group. Um, by the way, no idea why. They, they, they uh, welcomed me into this group. 
but I'm going to mention names and people are going to have to Google these <laughs> names because they're, they're all dead. But uh, Don LaFontaine and Danny yeah. Dark and Winnie Anderson popped by and Jack Angel popped by and Steve wow. Schottsberg popped by. And uh, they would just get to the mic and work out. And you're like, well, why are these six, seven, maybe even eight figure actors working out? Well, why does a Broadway uh, lead go to singing lessons during the day or dance lessons before they go on stage? Why does an athlete go to the gym before the evening's game? Because you need to. You need to keep that machine well-oiled. So these guys, besides um, taking me up a notch at the mic, trying to, and I never did match their brilliance but just pushing me a little bit pushed me beyond my comfort zone but it was during lunch and during breaks where they would tell me look here's our advice always carry yourself as a as a success and never break character let the world think even on a slow month that you're making great money and having a blast doing it don't complain nobody wants to be around a debbie downer and reinvest in your career send out demos, market, do business dinners with buyers and, and, and producers, treat it what's called show business for a reason. For sure. And we're always rub elbows with people on a bigger boat than you. Don't waste your time asking advice for people on the same or smaller boat as you. The smaller boat is social media where everybody's asking people, hey, I need advice on so-and-so. Well, so-and-so is relative. If you want to be an amateur, and just do freebies, or do you want to play in the big leagues? And I, there's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever you want. But if you're asking advice for the big leagues to people who haven't even purchased a catcher's mitt, uh, you know, my, my buddy D. Bradley Baker, love him to death. For sure. We were, we were at Comic-Con one year, and somebody asked advice about getting into voiceover, and they just purchased a very expensive microphone. And D said, well, how much training do you have? He said, none. And, the, and, and D said, you know, you don't buy a tuba and say, Where, what's your orchestra can I play in now? It doesn't that's matter true. if you have a tuba. It matters that you're brilliant at the tuba. Absolutely. So, so that's what I got from these mentors is common sense, business sense. Strive to be brilliant. Don't strive to be working. Your odds of working are better if you're brilliant. Absolutely. Again, the downside of social media is that everybody talks about making money. When I was studying voiceover, if any coach or teacher discussed making a dime it was considered a red flag get the hell out of there because uh, class is about craft mm-hmm. making money a fortunate circumstance for the fortunate few that's man that's so that, that's so insightful right there too because like you said everybody talks about money now or is this a paid gig or which it, that's something that's vital to know but at the same time too it puts a lot of emphasis on the wrong things and takes away from the passion that you have for it and then limits the brilliance that you may bring to it. And also, too, going back to what you referenced with D, you don't put the cart before the horse, otherwise it doesn't work out. You can have the best equipment in the world, but if you have no training, you don't know your strengths, you don't even know what you bring to the table, what good does that do? And, yeah. I mean, it's it's such an insightful thing that I, I'm fortunate that you just dropped it here on this show but the world around us, you asked, of course, but you could have said no, you could have said no. But I mean, one thing that really caught my attention with you too, especially you were uh, the first guest in one of Steve Bloom's uh, Bloomvox classes that I ever did. 
And despite my technical difficulties um, with Wi-Fi or whatever it was at the time, you were gracious enough to answer my question and everybody else's questions that were answered. And you didn't just give a simple one-word answer. You went into these details. You gave very thorough answers. And you still do that to this day in the Bloomvox community groups. If somebody is willing to, you know, like put the question out there, you respond. And does that keep you motivated and driven too to know that there are younger people that want to work with you as a peer? They want to learn from you. And, you know, does that make you more open to giving this advice or is that just something that because you got to work with these legends here has been ingrained from you that whether they take it or not, I'm going to give it and I'm doing I'm doing my part. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was your audience may not know this name, but I was uh, introduced to my first agent from uh, Casey Kasem. Oh, for sure. Legendary. And, and uh, you know, Casey had me make a homemade demo, gave it to his agent, his agent signed me. And I took a, Casey did a show called America's Top 40 mm-hmm. on radio. And so as a thank you, I, I went down to the studio to watch him do the show and I brought him a bottle of wine. And I said, I just have a really, a question. You don't know me from Adam. Why are you doing this for me? And he said, because you're going to pay it forward. You're going to do the same thing. This is what we do. This is how we thrive as a uh, community you know it's really about paying it forward Dawes Butler was the same way Mm -hmm. I studied with Dawes for many years and his workshop was 10 bucks over a handshake whatever you happen to have that week and I remember saying why do you do it for nothing sometimes and he goes why not you know I, I I enjoy this process of watching actors grow well this was all before social media social media pops up and um I have now people may not like my answers because I'm honest, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't sugarcoat. I did look when I was studying voiceover, I would tell my coaches and they would say, that's good. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Why was that good? I'm glad you liked it. But what did I do? That was good. I need to be able to repeat that. Absolutely. It was wrong. So I make sure I don't do that again. I do that on social media. I don't sugarcoat. And if your ego is bruised because somebody was honest and blunt, well, my mortgage game is much bigger than my ego. I wanted to always know how to be better, and I still do. How do I? What am I doing wrong? How can I make it better? So I love talking to young students, older students. I don't care. So when I did that that interview with Steve, was that the night that I had laryngitis and could barely speak? I believe so. Yes, it was. I felt so bad because I was like, "Hi, I'm an expert in voiceover, and I have no voice." <laughs> but um, Steve is probably. Steve, it's so funny. Steve was a student of mine a million years ago. I learned so much from him. I learned he's he's a giver. Oh, for uh, sure. You know what? There, there's no ego involved. It is li- literally for him. Of course, it's a business because we're all business people. Yep. But he didn't have to do this. It's a labor of love. I like I like his Facebook page and his community probably more than anybody else on social media because. They're not afraid to ask questions because nobody, I mean, when I say I'm honest, I'm never going to say, well, that was stupid, but I might give them a parallel to say, here's why you're putting the cart before the horse or whatever. Absolutely. But it's a, it's a superb community of people who respect those of us who got to where we are and respect each other for trying. Absolutely. And I mean, I, it's crazy to say, like, I've made so many friends out of there. And fortunately, I've been able to meet a few of them in person now and then actually have a few on this show as well. But just 
the the amount of giving back in that community is unparalleled and it was such a refreshing splash of water to the face like coming into this new world and seeing all these open hands and open arms ready to just help and then seeing a legend like yourself being right there in the middle of it like it was just so refreshing and insightful and it, it makes you feel welcome and it makes you feel driven to want to continue because you don't feel like everybody's just out to get you or stab you in the back it's just so refreshing but in saying that too, especially like with the coaching and the mentoring, because you mentioned Steve had been a coach of your or a student of yours in the past, with the pandemic coming up now, and even you know like mentioning you used to have to go to studio before now you have your home studio, with the pandemic going on and a lot of you know face to face interactions being cut just completely out two years ago, what was that like for you as far as interactions with you know fellow castmates, directors, and even students? And then having to do a lot of, you know, self-directing and things at home in your own studio. How was that for you? Well, we've been auditioning from home self-directing for decades. Mm -hmm. uh, every genre of voiceover has worked from home before COVID, with the exception of animation. Animation was the only genre of voiceover where you went to Disney. Right. You, went to some, you went to whatever uh, uh, independent studio it was that you were recording a series. COVID hit. And those of us who do animation within a couple of weeks had to upgrade our home studios to broadcast quality because we were willing to do that. So for me, it was a technical learning curve mm -hmm. and a little bit of a reinvestment. Once I did, the last two years of COVID have been the best of my career because I don't have to drive on the oh, only yeah. freeway traffic. I can, and I can work more. I can book more. Uh, personally, I love it. Uh, even before COVID, I was doing animated programs where I was recording by myself because we're all busy and we're not always able to be yeah. at the same each other. So working by myself with a director, that's not that's not new. Every animated feature I've ever done, if I'm if I'm playing a part in the movie, I'm recording by myself. Mm -hmm. So I don't have, have another actor there to work off of. Um, I love every second of what the, the silver lining of COVID of working from home. Um, I'm going in studio this week for the third time in two years. Uh, because I'm recording a song for a show that we're doing called Bugs Bunny Builders. And they wanted to do it from home technically in a way that I just was not uh, comfortable doing. Right. So going in studio. But if I, I will probably go in studio maybe 1% for the rest of my career if I can, if I can help it. I don't oh, yeah. love every second. Of it. I don't find um, anything um, negative about it. Uh, I do. I miss. I miss the lobby of, of sessions. You mm -hmm. go to the lobby, see Lorraine Newman and Mark Hamill and Kenny yeah. Milo and Gary Berry and Dee Baker and Jeff Bergman. I miss that. Uh, and I'm doing some shows where the, the the whole cast is on Zoom. When we did the Bad Batch, they would do sessions where the whole cast was working off of each other. That's that's the best. Oh, for sure. But man, this is a well-oiled machine. And actors are leaving L.A. and able to continue with their career. Directors are leaving L.A. and able to continue their career. So this is actually kind of a cool thing. Absolutely. And I mean, it's uh, the one cool thing for me, too, is especially because I don't live in like a Dallas or an L.A. or even a New York, but I still have a chance to be competitive. I have an agent that 
still sends auditions that are, you know, coming from LA. So I still get a chance to be competitive there, but that has been the one silver lining where in the past I may have been disqualified because they would want somebody to come in studio there. But now with the remote capabilities, it, it, it's been the ultimate silver lining. And it's also led to making several new friends like, like yourself here where we get to have this chat. And in the past that probably never would have gotten to happen. Well, it might've happened from a zoom chat. But, you know, um, I'm not sure. I, look, I remember when when, when uh, ISDN started mm-hmm. and people remotely. All I kept thinking was, well, this is never going to actually become competitive for them because they're not going to, When I first got in the business, you know, they had just started going to their agents' offices, actors, to audition. But we were still going to ad agencies. We were still going to casting offices. And then that stopped and we just went to our agents' office. And then that stopped, and we just had home studios to audition. So, look, this is the the tide that is uh, technology. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's disruption. Uh, you can either go with the flow or stay or or, or, or not and be obsolete. Absolutely. Um, a lot of voice actors resented having to spend two, three, four thousand dollars to upgrade their their closet to a broadcast quality home studio to stay in animation. And my argument to them has been, boy, I got friends who work on Broadway who would have killed, if they could just invest two grand to stay on Broadway and continue yeah. working, you know, eight shows a week. They'd have, they'd have happily done that, but they can't. So how about stop your bitching and moaning and be grateful that you're able to, with a little uh, investment uh, relative to, if you invested, I invested two grand to upgrade, okay? That's two recording sessions. Yep. I'm fine. Yep. I mean, it, you get it right back too. And that's, that's the amazing part of it. It's all in the perspective that you look at it because again, I guarantee you there are a lot of people that did not have that perspective that you just mentioned of the Broadway actors. Right. It's, right. it's all in the perspective. And right. that, that actually leads me to another question too, because I, I've seen you give advice about this um, again in the Bloom Vox community. And I've seen other, you know, established actors uh, mention on this as well. But when it comes to a part like, you're synonymous with Porky Pig. That That is your character. When an audition comes up and you have to re-audition for that character, how do you approach that? And I think I heard you say once that, you know, like you've done it 30 times so far, and that was uh, an interview from a couple years ago. But how do you approach something like that, knowing that, you know, this is what you've done for the last X amount of years, and now it, it's on the table where it may go the other way? How do you approach that? Well, first of all, it isn't my character. I don't own it. I don't even well, have that's, a contract. That's true, too. Yep. So I, every time there's a big project, they make me audition for it. Um, how do I approach it? I approach it with, um, I got 32 years of experience. I know this character backwards and forwards, and I'm just going to go have fun doing it. Uh, that's how I approach it. I love it. And I mean, that that's the thing, too. And I, I, I worded that horribly, but I mean, you brought the voice to it, I should say, is the way I should have said it. But, you know, that's that's the best way to do it, too, because like you said, you you don't own it, but you are helping bring it to life for that vision. And then you still bring that same energy and knowledge of the character to it regardless. And is there a way because I've noticed that some people, especially fan bases, social media again comes into play where if somebody is replaced, it's just a negative outcry. It's a backlash, no matter how well the next person does with that character how 
would you recommend to somebody that may be stepping into a position like that where they're replacing somebody established? How would you recommend they go about that job to tune out the negative feedback and just bring the best they can to that character? Well, first of all, um, I, I'm from the older generation where when that audition pops up, you call the interactor who was doing it and say, what's going on? Right. For instance, over the years, the cast of The Simpsons and Futurama, um, they had contract negotiations where they were trying to get more money. Mm -hmm. I tell my students, this is not how you want to break into this business, guys, because if the planets align, you'll be on a hit show one day and you'll not want your contemporaries using that as their opportunity to break in. Um, Look, when Dawes Butler was alive and they were holding auditions for Captain Crunch, and who was Captain Crunch, I didn't even know if he knew about it. So I contacted him and he said, oh, no, they're, they changed ad agencies. They want to change the character. So they want to make him younger. So I'm out. And he actually asked me to come to his house and coach me on the audition. And I didn't get it because he coached me on how he did it. And that's not what they wanted. But my point is, right. my generation has a uh, gentleman's agreement that you just don't step on somebody else's toes. When they were holding auditions, there's a a reboot of Tiny Toons right now that they're they're in production. I popped a note to Charlie Adler, who was the original Buster Bunny, and I said, about this, I will not read for this if you'd rather I didn't, but I want to let you know. Um, That's what we did. Those of us who have been doing this, this is my 40th year, Uh, today's generation may not uh, relate to that kind of ethical respect. Right. Uh, Can't tell anybody else what to do with their choices, but I can tell them that um, they might be brilliant at what they do, but I've I've lost their, they've lost my respect. Absolutely. The job is, is, is more valuable than that. Then that's them. I can't speak for anybody else. Now, there, like when I when I first auditioned for Luke Skywalker, we brought brought that up. Mm-hmm. That was you. When they when they when I I auditioned, call back, booked it. My agent said, uh, I said to my agent, "Don't confirm the booking. I want you to call Mark Hamill's agent and make sure that he knows about this. He's cool with this." And at that time, he was so removed from the Star Wars franchise, he wanted it. It wasn't a money thing. It was just like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. He eventually did. Oh, yeah. Know, very, very successfully. For also, sure. One of the most brilliant voiceover actors that ever existed. Yeah. Beings that ever existed. Again, this is what my generation would do. Today's generation might be too removed. It's a generation gap. And I'm not going to speak with anybody else's ethics or, or choices. That's for them. Um, and, but, I, but I don't. I don't respect people that just go, Ooh, this is my opportunity. It's just, no, sorry. That's not right. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's something that I think speaks volumes right there. And it was kind of the, the path I was hoping you were, you would go down because I've heard you mention it before. And just, even though it may be an awkward conversation asking, Hey, did you know about this? You're still coming at from a place of clarity and honesty to just be upfront. And it's the same thing you said before, like you don't sugarcoat things. And in today's day and age, People may be so easily offended by hearing that or not getting what they want to hear that they may not even approach that pre- that actor that doesn't 
know that this character's up for audition again or whatever it may be. So I think that speaks volumes not only to the generation, but to your character as a person as well. And it's such an amazing thing to hear. But I also have no right to tell somebody how to pursue their career. Absolutely. That's right for you. Go for it. Uh, I th- There was a, a round of auditions for a Looney Tunes thing recently that I ended up booking. But a very dear friend, uh, we're on a series together right now, popped me a note, would you prefer I didn't read for this? And I said, yeah, I would prefer you didn't read for this. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to say, no, there was a time I would say, I can't tell you what to do. But I'm at the point in my life and my career, I'm like, yeah, you know what? As long as you ask, I'm going to be honest too. Thank you for reaching out. I would prefer you not read for this. Absolutely. Uh, also characters like Superman. How many people have played Superman over the years? Um, true. Very, uh, I, I, um, there are, there are incidental characters that have been on long-term shows, three, four, five, ten years, whatever, but there are the occasional things that have been going on a little bit longer. Um, I won't read for Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny because they've got people who have been doing that as long as I've been doing what I do, and I'm not going to step on their toes. Absolutely. And I love their work, and I yeah. love them as people. And that's that speaks volumes right there, too. And one thing, again, going back to, you know, passing it on to the the next generation here, I I would have to imagine, too, that that same level of just uh, morality, being a good human or just being an upfront person comes through in the coaching services that you offer as well. So can we talk about your uh, what you offer and what goes into your coaching sessions? Uh, Well, that's every every coaching session is different, right? So some people are like, hey, listen, I need, I'm, 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 I've got an audition for a big cartoon uh, this week. Can you coach me on that? And two, uh, I've never done this before. Can we talk about what is involved in the process of creating characters and everything in between? So sometimes it's an hour chit-chat about the business of the business marketing. Uh, somebody will say, hey, you know, I, I've been trying to get an agent, but it's not, it's not work. Well, send me a, a sample submission of your, uh, to try to get an agent. And I'm like, okay, here's the problem. You're, you come, you're coming across desperate needy and as an amateur. And so I always tell actors, take off your actor hat, put on your agent hat, take off your agent hat, put on your casting director hat, take off your casting hat, put on your network executive hat. Think like the people that you want to impress. How are you impressing? Oh, that's a brilliant, brilliant insight. An agent might get a month. Why are you going to stand out? Stand out. Uh, better than the people they already represent. Absolutely. Man, that is, again, such I, wise I, words. Desire, not, desire is not going to make you stand out. You know, you've got to, you get one chance to impress. Absolutely. And I want to go back to something we were talking about a second ago. Sure. About the, um, the cast changes. Um, one thing, look, I'm going to take off my actor hat now and put on my executive hat. The executive hat says, okay, well, I know that this character has sounded this way for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, but what if we got Ben Affleck to play him because he's got marquee value? What if we got Julia Roberts to play the character because she's got marquee value? Mm-hmm. My hat is thinking box office. My executive hat is not thinking what a slap in the face to the fans of this character, of this franchise, of these beloved 
characters, the legacy of, um, I, I, I think that sometimes they put money ahead of the people who are going to be paying the money. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have Comic-Cons when I started out. We didn't right. have social media. we got to respect the fan base because it's because of the fan base that I have a house, you know? Uh, they don't watch the stuff. Uh, God bless them. Um, so I think that's a that's a um, an aspect to all of this as well when it comes to the casting. I remember when they were doing the Yogi Bear movie and I, they announced that Justin Timberlake was going to play Boo Boo. I'm like, oh, not Justin Timberlake. Does he sing? You know, is he in a in a yeah. bear band? How's this going to work? He was brilliant. The guy was phenomenal as Boo Boo. The voice was dead on. The acting was superb. And you know what? I'm like, hey, if they're good and they've got marquee value, that works for me. Absolutely. So there, there is a balance. You've got to give credit where credit is due. But I'm not a big fan of, hey, how much money can we make if this celebrity plays this beloved character? Right, right. And, man, again, it all comes back to the perspective, and that's such – such a wise way to look at it too and I love the fact that again you approach it from the different perspectives of not only the actor but the executive the agent the casting director it just it all comes like full circle so that you kind of have an idea of what you know it just all comes into perspective I guess is the best way I can say it without getting tongue-tied or mumbling on too much but I mean that's that's such an insightful way to say it well again it's called show business that's it not all about how wonderful am I as an actor. The world's greatest actors don't get arrested because they do, they have no business sense. And some of the worst actors on the planet get repeat business because they're amazing marketers and they're 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 people people. You know they they, yeah. they know how to go out and charm somebody. That's it. So the, that lucky break. That lucky break becomes a hit movie, and now everybody wants to work with them, even though they were mediocre. Yeah, it's all it's. It's all in the personality, I, I think, because like you said, brilliant people may not have that business acumen, but the less talented actors have the business acumen. They know how to take it to that next level, and it just repeats from there. But man, it's such, it's like I've sat under the learning tree for almost an hour here. This has just been so insightful and so engaging, and I'm, I'm just so grateful that you've been here to drop these knowledge nuggets for me. I appreciate it. My pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. And is there anything... Um, Again, I know I'm eagerly counting down to Bad Batch Season 2 to see if you're on there. I know uh, that you were just, uh, you're recently in the Minions Rise of Gru movie coming up. You mentioned the Bugs Bunny Project. Anything else we should be on the lookout for that you're able to speak about? Um, hang on, let me look. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have to look at my, my, my list of jobs, recent jobs. Uh Ridley Jones on uh, Netflix right now. Okay. Uh, okay, can't talk about that. Can't talk about that. Blaze and the Monster, done that a few times. Um, can't, uh, I can't talk about that. Um, can't talk about that. It's Pony I worked on this year. Um, can't talk about that. Can't talk about that. Did some Robot Chickens, I think, this year. That had Even better. Been- um uh, can't talk about that. I would say 80% of what I've been working on the last six months to a year, I just can't say a word about. That's perfectly fine. But what it all comes down to is you are a busy, busy man, but you still took the time to be on here today. You got your workout in, you came here, and I'm just 
ever so grateful that you were able to carve out the time for this. And I'm ever so grateful too to Heath Martin for putting us in touch to make this happen. So thank you and thank Heath as well. You bet, my friend. Of course. And I guess I'm on the waiting list for those uh those coaching sessions too. So I'm eagerly anticipating the day that we get to reconnect again there. But man, Bob, thank you so much for coming on here and taking the time to do this because it means the world to me and just everything you've done being a voice of my childhood. I can't thank you enough. Uh, Thanks buddy. My pleasure. Of course. Well, Bob, we'll let you get off here and I appreciate everything you've done guys. We'll be back again next week with another awesome episode. You know, the deal hit that subscribe button, leave that five-star review, share, get the merch, help support this show, help support the local charities, get connected on social media and make sure you're here again next week for another awesome episode. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.